Greetings in the Lord Jesus. Good to be here again. This is the first time we've been here two Sundays in a row in months, it seems like. So anyway, we're glad to be back again. You can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll uh, actually we'll start in verse 3 or in chapter 3. So how many of you have ever run a cash register? Just for curiosity. All right, we've got a few. All right, another question. How many of you ever met somebody who was just about impossible to deal with? <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> and I'll tell you a little story. I think I told this a long time ago here. I was in Kmart in Front Royal years ago. It's been a few years since there was a Kmart there, so it has to be a little while, but there one evening and came up to the register and there was a, a lady before me, and I think she, uh, I call her a lady, a woman <coughs> uh, <laughs> in line, and I think she must have been familiar with the little saying, uh, why be difficult when with just a little more trouble you can be impossible, because she was being pretty much impossible with the uh, the girl at the register, a girl named Heather, I saw her name tag, and Heather looked like a, a decent young lady, and she was doing her best to be cheerful and courteous and smile and help this lady, and this lady was making it as hard as she could. She had a whole cartload of, I'm not sure what it was, but she was picking them to pieces, and she was asking for discounts, and she was pointing out what was wrong with this one, and and the line was growing behind me, and <clears throat> there was only one line. And Heather kept her smile on, and she glanced back at us every now and then to apologetically. And and and, but she did a good job. She just did. She was courteous. And after the lady left, I I uh, approved of her. Told her she did a good job. I uh, I could. I could say a name right now, and Eva would know exactly who I'm talking about. We worked in a bookstore 40 years ago plus, and there was a customer that was like that. And Well, anyway, some customers are like that sometimes, but this lady was like that most of the time. So anyway, title this morning is Be Courteous, chapter 3, verse 8, Be Courteous. Heather had some training. <laughs> I'm, well, okay, I don't know her at all. don't know her last name, don't, don't know anything about her, but she had some training, and she had a certain amount of self-control and some practice, I think, to be able to deal with that lady like she did. So, 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. The uh, Greek word there means friendly-minded, and depending on what Bible version you might have handy, it would say be humble. Uh, a little different uh, take on it, but uh, I thought it fit well. Humble in spirit, the New American Standard says, courteous. Now, I don't know about you, but I usually tend to think of courtesy as a, quote, non-spiritual subject. But God says, be courteous. <laughs> and occasionally, 
I find that we Mennonites, with our familiarity with each other, especially here in the south, a little further south, uh, aren't as courteous as the people around us sometimes. Because in the south, courtesy is a bigger thing than it is maybe even where we are. And uh, anyway, I've just noticed that. And might be all right for us to think about it. I'm going to take a number of points from... Uh, well, chapter 2 and chapter 3 here, just as we think about courtesy. And we're talking about something that's, well, with, let's just go. And then we'll, we'll talk about some of these things as we go. So, be courteous. Start on the right foundation. Chapter 2, verse 17. It says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And so, let's start with fear God. That's where courtesy is going to begin. God is to be feared. He's to be reverenced. He's to be obeyed. He's, he's our life. We love him. We, we care about him. We live with him as our Lord. We live in the knowledge that he is with us and watching over us and helping us. And, and our life is him. And so sin has to go. Disrespect has to go. Uh, Anything wrong has to go. Fear God. That's where we start. That's the foundation to build on. And I have a number of points here, and I don't know that they're in any particular order. Maybe they're sort of in order as they are in the passages. The second one is live for the right goal. Chapter 2, verse 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, your lifestyle, that is in this case, Honest among the Gentiles, among those around you, that, or as they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So we are here to glorify God. Ourselves, that he would be glorified in our lives. And the way this verse gives it, that he would also be glorified in those that we relate to, so that they're ready on the day the Lord visits, that's the day of the Lord when he comes. That's our goal, to glorify God and to help others. Now you say, what do these have to do with courtesy? Well, we're building a foundation, trying to anyway. All right, next, love. And so in verse 17 of chapter 2, you have love the brotherhood. And I notice over in chapter 3, the verse we read, verse 8, love as brethren, Philadelphia in this case, have brotherly love. <laughs> love is the root of courtesy. It's right at the root of it. Love and concern about others is what prompts courtesy. And, and what we call courtesy is, is simply the practice of love in everyday relationships. Thinking about others, doing what's helpful to them, putting them before ourselves. Well, you know, we talk about saying thank you and please, and you open the door for someone else and those kind of things. It all comes back to, I'm like watching out for others. I care about them. I love them. And so, next point. Have a servant heart. 
So verse 16 here says we are to be as free. We are free, but not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. But as the servants of God. How do you serve God? Well, the only way you can serve God is serve others. When it comes right down to it. We're not called to be masters. We're not called to be in charge of others. Well, okay, if we're parents, maybe we are. But no, we're not here to tell other people what to do. That's not our job. We are to be servants, bond slaves. Put your freedom into use, Peter says, <laughs> by being a servant. Serve others. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. And I found an interesting scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 7. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. Therefore, be not the servants of men. <laughs> and I'm telling you, be servants of men because we are bought with a price. Well, they're totally different contexts, and I won't go there. You can look at it yourself. Uh, but to serve God, we must serve others. We're not our own. We're not, we don't have the right to, to choose. I'm going to do what I want. We have the right to choose. I'm going to serve because God called me as his servant. We even look for things to do for others. We ought to be looking for things to do for others. Jesus went about doing good. Acts tells us. And that's what we ought to do. Slaves are, are never too busy to do what their master tells them to do. He has the complete right to say, stop doing that, do this instead. And they're not going to say, I'm too busy. He's the master. And every time you find yourself being discourteous, Well, probably every time. Maybe sometimes it'll just be because we didn't notice. And maybe that still comes back to the same root. But every time you actually treat somebody discourteously, it's going to be self that got in the way. I'm important. You're not. And so I don't treat you courteous, courteously. If you're important and I'm not, then I will treat you courteously. <coughs> And sometimes, of course, we just don't notice quickly enough. I mean, there are times, yes, my wife's carrying something into the house, and I didn't see her in time to get the door. And then I'm disappointed because I had a good opportunity to help her, and I didn't. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, but I'm supposed to be watching out for those kind of things, right? And not just my wife, by the way. Anyone else that I can help, I should be helping whenever I have an opportunity. Not for my glory, but for God's glory. All right, another one. Be committed to glorifying your real master. <laughs> and I'm looking at verses 18 to 24 here in chapter 2. Servants, be subject to your masters. So he's talking about earthly masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, to the impossible. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward grief endure grief, suffering 
toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, responded courteously, <laughs> reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously whom his own self bear our sins on his, in, in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. <clears throat> and so, in verse 18, the, the type of person that I'm dealing with has nothing to do with whether I'm courteous toward them or not. And so, and Jesus taught, you know, if someone mistreats you, you respond in love. You respond courteously. But the more difficult the person, <laughs> the harder it is. Or the, the more effort, maybe the more trust we have to put in our Lord to, to help us respond in the right way. God gives some definite instructions on how to respond to people that are difficult, people that mistreat you, people that make life hard on you. And there's a reason for that, I guess, because they're more difficult to respond to. So keep your real master in view, not, not the one who's your master here in this case, but the God who is with you and that you want to glorify and who's ready to help you, by the way, chapter 3, verse 12, says that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. And he will help us to do what's right when we have that need. <clears throat> so keep him in view. Chapter 3 Verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Context is persecution again in verse 14. Don't be afraid of their terror. Don't be troubled. Sanctify God, your real master, in your heart. And always be ready. Always be ready for a courteous response. Well, here it's the one who asks a reason of the hope that's in you. But also for that difficult person that uh, tests your courtesy. You see, discourtesy negates opportunity, I guess we could say it that way. If you, under pressure, give in and respond in a way that's not Christ-like, you just ruined your opportunity to give an answer. 
All right, another one. Respect every human being. Chapter 2, verse 17 again. Honor or esteem all men. Every person is created in God's image. Even that super difficult person who is making life hard on you right now. Or maybe it's the drunkard in the ditch. Or We don't see so many of those here. You might see a few more where some of you are from. They are created in God's image. They are worthy of respect. Esteem them better than yourself. Discourtesy is respect. Whether it's the drunker, the sinner, the arrogant brat, the homosexual, the transgender person, they are human. And yes, we can't understand sometimes why they are where they are and all of that. The persecutor too, but they are worthy of respect as a human being. And I had to have John and Mark help me to find this verse this morning, but in Leviticus it talks about older folks, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man. Maybe I shouldn't give that one since <coughs> uh, I've got hoary head myself, but you won't go wrong by obeying that Old Testament law and respecting older folks. God expects it of younger people. Yay! Let's see. You younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. There's a place for honoring old people simply because they're old. Maybe they don't act honorably, but that doesn't change the fact that they have age, and God makes it part of his plan. There's a place for wives to respect their husbands over in chapter 3. Even as Sarah, this was verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well are not afraid with any amazement. There's also a place for husbands to respect their wives. The next verse. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. She's going to cry sometimes. That's the way it works. She's female. Uh, you don't have to know why always. <laughs> she might not know why sometimes. <laughs> this is life. She's the weaker vessel. You love her. Don't put her down. Just give her the support she needs. Okay. Respect her as a person. We need to cultivate this attitude that every person is worthy of respect and practice it. It, it brings a, a real oil, lubrication to relationships and makes them work well. God intended to be that way. So, esteem others better than yourself. What does that mean? Does that mean I pretend John's better than I am? Act like he's better than I am? I treat him as better than I am. It's not pretense. We're obeying God. God says, esteem him better. And so we do it. He's worthy of my time. He's worthy of my service. That's esteeming him. 
or anyone else here, by the way. <clears throat> I remember as a brand new Christian getting up that next morning and feeling like I was pretending. <laughs> I was thinking different than I had yesterday, and I was doing different than I had yesterday, and 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 I, I remember this thing going through my mind that, am I just pretending? No, I was obeying. I was doing what was right. It wasn't what came normal yesterday, by the way, but today it was the right thing, and I was doing it because I love the Lord. So anyway. Okay, next. Respect those in authority because they are in authority. Verse 17 again, honor the king. So political leaders, government officials, the king, the president, the inspectors, the county officials, the city officials, the police, the sheriff, even when you're pulled over, by the way, the elected officials of the government right on up to the president. That involves how we relate to them, to their face, if we happen to meet them. We show them respect. It goes deeper than that. The way we talk about them, uh, making snide remarks about Joe, are not in place for the Christians. You know who Joe is? Joe Biden, in this case. It, it, it's just improper. We don't need those kind of attitudes, and we shouldn't have them, and we shouldn't be expressing them. Uh, Joe and his laws or whatever, I, and I've heard some Mennonites do that, and that troubles me. We shouldn't do that. We're called to respect. Chapter 3, verse 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. And it goes without thought, saying that, that we ought to be guarding our thoughts. And, and I suppose as we look on at, at the American scene, there's a polarization there, and it's difficult not to let that affect the way we think about politics and politicians, but brothers, I think we better work on it. Because we don't have a right to be looking down at one side and lifting another up. We shouldn't even be going there. It's not our realm. It's not our business. And we don't have a right to disrespect either of them, even when they act disrespectfully. We need to submit. Chapter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So not only do we respect the rulers, we respect their laws. We subject ourselves to them. We courteously and cheerfully obey the laws. And if we come to the point where we must disobey them, we still do it with a submissive spirit in respect, and we take whatever consequences they may have to give us. We dare not be arrogant or show disrespect. 
So respect for those in authority because they are in authority. God put them there. There's no place in the Christian's life for disrespect for authority, any authority. Another one, cultivate patience. So there in chapter 2, verse 20, he says, What glory is it if you're puffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do the right thing and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is good, this is acceptable, this is thank with God, I think the margin says in the King James. God notices that. So everyday practice of patience prepares us to show patience in the big times when it's needed, when that super difficult person comes along. If we've been practicing it with our wives and with our husbands and with our children, and well, you know all the things that tend to get on your nerves. <clears throat> I know some of them too. Impatience is an expression of self. If you're taking notes, you should just write that down. <laughs> Impatience is an expression of self. And so while we're talking about cultivating, let me add here, teach your children courtesy. Teach them to say thank you. Teach them to say may I be excused from the table. Teach them to say you're welcome. Teach them to say please. Uh, teach them not to interrupt adults who are speaking. That's kind of going by the wayside too. But the, we recently read one of John Rosamond's articles in the newspaper, and he usually has some pretty good stuff. And he said... Teach your children that if two adults are talking, they come and stand within a well, few feet away and wait quietly until daddy or mama sees them. But then, daddy and mama, it's sort of important that you be paying attention so that you can get to them before too long. Life is so complicated. Patience and courtesy. No, it's not. It's just something to be learned like anything else. It doesn't happen by example, not only by example. Example is a wonderful thing. It goes a long way, maybe, <laughs> but it doesn't go far enough. It takes the teaching and it takes the example. One without the other, either without the other, you're not going to get your children taught what they need to learn. So cultivate patience, yes, but teach your children <laughs> patience and courtesy, too. Well, let's see. Another one. Sympathize. Chapter 3, verse 8, again. <coughs> so it says, be, uh, be pitiful, I think is what it says. Yes, having compassion. Well, that's the one I wanted. Having compassion one of another. Basically, what we're talking about here is the golden rule. Think about how others what they're experiencing and how they're feeling and what you can do to help. When you see someone with a need, think about that need from their point of view and help them. Maybe it's just the car waiting to get out and you know that if somebody doesn't let them out sooner or later, they're going to sit there all day. Well, let them out. You miss your light because of it? Well, in a hundred years it won't matter. Uh, 
Galactus be courteous? And I thought about driving in Guatemala City. I don't drive there, but I've watched others drive there. It's interesting how they make room for each other. Uh, yeah, they drive sort of crazy, but they let each other in. They would have to or nobody would get anywhere. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of give and take in, in driving. You American drivers would feel, well, anyway, it takes a little getting used to, I'm sure. But they do let each other in, and we need to do that kind of thing. We need to, okay, the person comes toward the door with their hands full, or even if it's not, their hands aren't full and you're there handy, well, open it for them. And by the way, John, maybe when you get up after a while, uh, you can give them opportunity to say things they'd like to add. It's the good, courteous things to do. Because I don't have them all, by the way. <clears throat> You'd appreciate it if somebody opened the door for you, wouldn't you? Husband comes home in the evening. He's tired and ready for supper. What? Well, don't just plop down on the chair and wait. Set the table. Be of use. <laughs> Give some help. Be courteous. Help where you can. Be considerate. Will my noise bother someone else? Will my children's noise bother someone else? Do I need to exercise a little control so that uh, I'm being considerate, courteous, and teach your children, by the way, that they can play, especially if they're adults around, at a lower volume than full volume. Children, you see jobs that need doing? Just do them. Especially, you know, mom's going to tell you after a while anyway. <laughs> Why wait? Get it over with and be helpful. She might even praise you for it. <clears throat> it's good practice. You might as well start practicing now. All right. Another one. Well, this is sort of a repeat. Love as brethren. Chapter 3, 8. Love as brethren. The word is Philadelphia. People in the brotherhood were to love, and not just the agape love. This was the phileo love, the brotherly love, as brothers ought to love each other. Be concerned about each other's lives, and not just the big important things, the little ones too. We're always looking for opportunities to help each other. We're always looking for what we can do to help other people physically, spiritually, however. We ought to have a what-can-I-do-for-you approach. Except maybe that doesn't say it well enough. We ought to have our eyes open and see the need and just jump in and do it without having to ask. And then practice that. Be on the lookout for things you can do for others. And that doesn't happen automatically either, and it doesn't happen when we're too busy. And so uh, give thought to how busy you are, and how can I order my life so that I actually have time to give some of it to someone else without slipping a stitch. All right, next, be tender-hearted. This is pitiful here in verse 8. Be pitiful, be full of pity is the idea, but tender-hearted is the idea. 
And that's one reason we aren't courteous sometimes. We simply don't think about the other person. We think about ourselves. I've said that already. Saying it again. Jesus first. Yourself last. Others in between. We know that's the way to joy. Practice it. (coughs) Don't be like... Well, you've had people who, uh, they were busy, they were on their way somewhere, and they just bumped you and went on. Kind of like a rhinoceros going through the room. They didn't even notice they stepped on your toe. They didn't notice they left tire tracks right across your face or whatever. Like, oh, okay, maybe it isn't quite that bad, but don't be that way. <laughs> Think about what you're doing. Remember that people are more important than getting there. What can I do to help? I'm responsible for what I do, how I relate to people. I'm responsible even to some degree for what to what people think of me and, and what they think I did. <laughs> so we think before we speak, we think before we act, will this hurt or will it help? Courtesy is simply thinking about others, and another definition for it. And, th- and that always takes an intentional thinking. It doesn't happen automatically. If we're just living on autopilot, we're going to be selfish. We should learn from our mistakes when we failed to be tender-hearted, when we said or did something that hurt someone after you've apologized and taken care of it take some time to stop and and look and say now why did I do that what should I have done how could I be prepared next time to do different and take a look at your heart well, it's more than likely there was something there that uh, prompted the problem, and you need to consider that in all you're considering. Cultivate peace, or, well, maybe let's say cultivate contentment. Chapter 3, verse 14 again. There you have, happy are ye. This is when you are suffer for righteousness' sake. This is something you have to cultivate because it doesn't happen automatically and it says neither be troubled don't be in a turmoil y'all know what it's like to be in a turmoil because of what somebody else did or said or is doing or problems you're facing well sure we do neither be troubled practice specifically trusting God when that's going on in there your turmoil is up your blood pressure goes up remind God that you are trusting him that you know he's able that you know he's in charge that you are trusting him you're begging him to help and 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 know that he will because when you're in turmoil it's a little hard to think of others it's a little hard to be courteous. 
and maybe partly to turn that on its head, find somebody else to be nice to and do something good for them. Serve someone else and you'll be surprised how quickly that can help settle the turmoil. Circumstances shouldn't set us off so that we are difficult to get along with, so that we treat people discourteously. They shouldn't, <laughs> but it's when we're thinking of ourselves and not of others that it happens. And so cultivate contentment, a, a sense of trust in God, a peace that only He can give. Another one, somewhat similar, keep a clear conscience. Verse 16, three, chapter 316, having a good conscience. <coughs> Carrying guilt can make you pretty nasty to be around pretty quickly. And so, uh, if you've done something wrong and you know it, take care of it. And if your conscience is bothering you and, and you're not sure exactly what the problem is, God knows that. Talk to him about it. Tell him you're willing to deal with it, whatever it is. Trust him to show you. Go get some help. Do something anyway. Get your conscience clear. God doesn't want us to go around with a guilty conscience. And maybe the last main point here, rejoice. Chapter 314, when these bad things happen, happy are ye. You choose to be happy. You choose to rejoice. Count your blessings. Fill your mind. Choose to fill your mind with good stuff. When your mind is full of good stuff, good stuff will come out. More likely, anyway. All right. Let's see. It drips. All right. We have some excuses we give sometimes for not being courteous. Let me just mention them so we can think about them. But he did that to me first. Doesn't matter. You be courteous anyway. Children especially like to holler, but he hit me first. Okay, parents, here's your chance. <laughs> Teach them something. <clears throat> no matter what who does to you, you don't have to respond wrongly. Not with the power of God. Another one, well, that's just the way I am. I just naturally come across a little <coughs> abrupt sometimes. <coughs> okay, <laughs> really? Well, then change. By the grace of God, change. Ouch. I'm preaching to myself on this one pretty good. So anyway... Well, I have to repeat myself, and I have to speak louder to be heard. Okay, all of us parents know how that is. The children keep going, and you say something, they don't hear you, and you have to, now listen. <clears throat> well, it's hard not to sound angry when you do that, but sometimes you do have to get their attention. <laughs> well, get their attention anyway, but don't be angry, and don't sound that way. Or maybe it's some of us who are getting to be 60 and over, and our ears don't work as well anymore, and, and she says something, and, well, I have to repeat it, and... <clears throat> It sounds a little snappy when I raise my voice and repeat it. Now, whose fault is that? <laughs> anyway, 
So when you have to raise your voice to be heard, just remember, calm will help. I'm tired. Had lots of computer time today and a couple late nights last week and 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 it's just easy to get grumpy and not be courteous. And by the way, you'll notice the ones I'm talking about are the people that we live with. And courtesy is important at home. But guess what? It's also the place where it's just about the easiest to let fall by the wayside because these are the people we're with all the time and anyway I'm under the weather I'm a little sick I got a cold and those aren't excuses to be unkind I'm busy I have sermons to prepare I got meetings to go to and I don't feel like going to them by the way and excuses excuses and she knows I love her anyway she knows I don't mean it no, you can't make those kinds of excuses. Be courteous. <laughs> be a gentleman. Be a lady. And I was thinking, you know, two or three hundred years ago, a gentleman was somebody high up in society, and they were expected to act like gentlemen. But now we use it in a different sense. It, it simply means somebody being courteous. And so Christian men ought to be the best gentlemen around and Christian sisters ought to be the best ladies around when it comes to courteousness. Be like the Lord Jesus. Love and care for others and then practice common everyday courtesy. It'll help us when the bigger times come, when, when we're the Heather and the impossible person makes it more impossible. Let's have a song. <laughs>